All right, we are ready to go. Welcome to Supernatural Saturday for the month of February. I believe it's February 10th. <clears throat> I am your host, Praying Medic. Uh, I come to you live here on Telegram, second Saturday of every month at 1 p.m. Eastern. And uh, today's Supernatural Saturday is going to be a question and answer, <clears throat> kind of a ask me anything. Nothing is is uh, is off limits. Other than uh, I, I would just ask you to do this. Uh, I have all right. I have a couple of <laughs> a couple of uh, things that I would pre at, prefer people not do on the question and answer. One of which is uh, please don't <clears throat> make any long impassioned speeches about whatever is frustrating you and making you angry today. We're all sort of frustrated, we're all kind of angry, uh, may be disappointed. This is not a place to just come on here and vent your frustrations and anger. Uh, this is an opportunity for you to ask me questions about things I might actually be able to answer, number one. Number two, uh, this is not a time for prayer requests. If you have a prayer request, send it to me by email, admin at prayingmedic.com, go to the websites, prayingmedic.com or prayingmedic.org, Hit the contact tab and you can send me your prayer request. If you want to go to the Telegram group, we have a chat channel on Telegram where we have people 24-7 who are there to respond to your prayer requests. If you need prayer, go to the Telegram channel, drop your prayer request there. All right. Uh, like I said, we do these live streams uh, second Saturday of every month, 1 p.m. Eastern. Uh, the replay will be available on Telegram later this afternoon. You don't have to go <laughs> in the Telegram channel and start asking, when is the replay going to be available? It'll be available this afternoon. It'll also be available on Rumble this afternoon. And I will post it on the website, prayingmedic.com. Uh, it'll also be out there on Twitter. Uh, I have been more active on Twitter lately. If you're used to following me on True Social, I'm still there. I still have an account. I just haven't been posting a lot on, on True Social. Uh, a lot of the Anons, uh, including Julian's Rum, are back on Twitter. So we're kind of uh, doing our thing on Twitter right now. And my Twitter account is, is at Praying Medic on Twitter. Yes, I have a Facebook page. Uh, I'm posting my recorded videos there on Facebook as well as some testimonies. Um, it is the Facebook page. It currently has, I think, 18,000 subscribers if you're looking for it. You can message me through Facebook page if you have a prayer request. I, I don't check on Facebook a lot. Uh, but if someone does message me on Facebook with a prayer request, I will respond to it there. Eventually, it might be a week or two. Um, I, I had a woman who was quite despondent that I didn't respond to her prayer request right away. And I said, look, I, I'm only on Facebook like once or twice a month. I'm sorry. I apologize. I'll, you know, I'm praying for you. So Facebook is not the best place to find me. Telegram, Twitter, and then the website. All right. Uh, without further ado, if you have, <laughs> Rick already has his hand up. If you have a question uh, or if you have a testimony, if you have a testimony about something cool that God did, uh, on the app, raise your hand, 
And if I see your hand raised, I will call on you. If you do not have a question or do not have a testimony, please do not raise your hand because that's going to lead to two or three minutes of uncomfortable silence where I'm trying to get you to speak and you don't want to speak. So do not raise your hand if you don't have a question. Last warning before we go with the questions. If you do not want to be on video, do not turn your video on. Um, there are settings in the app. Uh, most people, when I call on them, they're just on audio. It's their voice. Uh, a couple of people have been surprised when I called on them and their video was on, on the live stream. Be careful. Do not activate the video if you don't want to be on video. All right, cool. We, we good? Capiche? All right. Uh, Rick, you have your hand up. All right. So, Rick, you're going to be the first one. What is on your mind, my brother? If you can unmute yourself, uh, what's going on? Hello. Can you hear me? Hey, Rick. Can you hear me? I can. Let me turn the volume up just a little bit so it'll be on the recording better. Uh, yeah, what's going on today, Rick? Okay. How about now? Yep, we're good. Okay, great. Uh, this is just a follow-up question. The last time I asked you a question to see if you guys have picked up Andrew Whalen's book, Dreams to Save a Nation. Particularly, I was interested in if you'd read the appendix about his dream prophetic insights into C before D and watch the water. Wow. I have not read that yet. Uh, I, I remember you uh, prompting me about that last time, but no, I haven't looked into that. Whet your appetite. Okay. C before D and watch the water. Uh, all right. Well, I'll have to get digging on that. Those and, are the uh, appendices in the appendix. Okay. Right. <clears throat> All right. Cool. Uh, I'll do that. All right. Thanks, Rick. Yep. Let's see. Charles, the other one. Charles, the other one, has his hand up. Charles, if you can unmute yourself, what's going on today? Okay. Can you hear me? Okay, um, I just have a quick praise report and uh, a related question. Um, okay, I, I want to thank you for all your advice and uh, from your or for your uh, your hearing from God book. Um, I got my relationship answer from God. Um, turns out it was all about witnessing, um, which explains why you know all I felt was brotherly love towards this lovely young woman in my life. Um, about a year ago, I threw up my hands in frustration and walked away from everyone because of politics and COVID and everything. But uh, with this young lady, God was giving me a slow pitch to get me back in the game. So, yep. you know, over the past month, there's been a lot of repentance from, for retreating from the fight and a lot of asking for boldness to share the gospel. And this brings me to my question. Um, we're going back into the election cycle, and I'm seeing Trump derangement syndrome start up again in my circle of family and friends. So I was wondering, do you have any insights about reaching people who have Trump derangement syndrome, um, especially our family and friends? Yeah, I, I probably have a couple of suggestions. Uh, and this uh, first suggestion goes, it applies to anyone who does not see things the way you see. So whether that's spiritually, you know, maybe this person is not a Christian and you are, and they have some resentment toward you or they reject you because of your beliefs or whether it's political, maybe they are not 
uh, don't understand Trump and, and the Make America Great Again concept. Um, the first thing I would recommend you do is love them unconditionally. Uh, right. So people put up walls around their hearts. <laughs> when, when you can't relate to someone, when you can't speak to them, when they don't respect you, don't listen to you, don't want to hear what you have to say, it's because they've, they've put up a wall metaphorically around their heart and they're keeping you out because don't like you. They don't trust you. They don't respect you for, you know, a variety of reasons. <clears throat> so there is a way to reach that person, but you can't reach that person until they take down the wall that they have put up around their heart and you can't break that wall down. Uh, it's, it's frustrating, but they have to be the one to take down the wall and open themselves up to whatever you have to say on whatever the subject is. So, uh, the reason why Jesus told us to love others unconditionally, to even pray for those who persecute you and spitefully use you, right? He wanted us to pray for them, for the people who hate us, who torment us, who put us in prison. Pray for your enemies, right? The reason he wants us to pray for them is because God can work in their heart. God can shift their perspective God can give them insights. God, he can change their attitude on things in ways that we can't. Uh, and, and when we pray for those people, God can then start working in their heart through circumstances, through dreams, through visions, revelation, angelic encounters, through various experiences. And those experiences will begin to change their perspective. Okay. And at some point, once they've had enough revelation, once they've had enough experiences, they're probably going to start to question their beliefs, <clears throat> question their beliefs about Christianity, about God, about politics, about Trump, about whatever their issues are. There's, a, there's some very, very well-known uh, liberals, outspoken Trump haters, who just in the last couple of weeks are starting to tell their audience, hey, <laughs> we've been lied to, right? Stephen Smith is a good example. And there's another guy, I forget his name. He's a, he's a podcaster. And both of them, Trump haters, are now coming around and realizing, wow, I was wrong. This, we, we were totally fed a, 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 a line of BS by the mainstream media. We need to reconsider our views about Trump. So people are starting to come around. And if you love them unconditionally, what that will do is uh, it will take away any reason they have to not trust you and not like you. If you show them unconditional love, if you're not judgmental toward them, if you are patient with them, if you're kind with them, if you are uh, long-suffering with their assaults and their hatred of you or their demeaning, derogatory language, whatever they do, if you just bear that, whatever they throw at you, and you don't have to, you don't have to stay in that environment all the time and just take all the assaults every day. You can, you don't have to. Uh, I have, uh, I don't have a lot of contact with my family. 
because they're all, they all have Trump derangement syndrome. And I know that they're not going to listen to me. They may eventually get red pilled by someone else. They're not going to listen to me. Uh, they will listen to other people. So I'm keeping a distance from my family, waiting for, praying for them and waiting for God to red pill them through some other circumstance, some other person. Uh, so, you know, if you love them unconditionally, that, that, that may actually get them to voluntarily take down that wall around their heart. And then you may be able to, to speak to them, but they have to take that wall down. Uh, that's, that's just kind of how it works. Uh, does that answer your question? Yes, sir. It does. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Yep. Elizabeth, Elizabeth, I see you have your hand up. If you are able to unmute yourself, what is going on this morning? Elizabeth, are you able to unmute yourself? Right, I guess not. <laughs> it does happen. Uh, let's see. Nobody else has their hand up. All right, well, this is going to be a very short live stream. <laughs> Nobody has their hand up. <clears throat> All right. I will, since nobody has their hand up, this is my time to speak about whatever I want to speak about. Don't know if you saw this, but if you haven't, you should check it out. There was a video posted by a sheriff who is, he's a sheriff of a county in Ohio. And he just, he had just come back from a, a meeting with thousands of other sheriffs around the country. They had a meeting with Chris Ray and, and from the FBI and other intelligence agencies. And this sheriff held a press conference after he came back from this meeting with the FBI. And he expressed um, his concerns, which were expressed to him by the FBI and other intelligence agencies, that uh, the United States is under significant threat for cyber attacks, uh, not just on the national level, but on the local level. Cyber attacks it, on EMS and fire and police dispatch centers, cyber attacks in many, many areas. It's, it, it's not a secret anymore. CISA and Homeland Security and FBI have been hitting the red flag for a long time warning people that we are under the threat of cyber attacks. In fact, I see articles every day in the news about cyber attacks that are happening right now that have been happening for years. Uh, there was an article published two days ago about a Chinese hacker group that had infiltrated uh, water, sewer, power, gas, oil, transportation, mass transit, uh, every kind of infrastructure operation that you can imagine here domestically, and they'd infiltrated them and had been creating problems for five years. 
and NSA, FBI, and CISA just put out a report about this five-year uh, infiltration by a Chinese hacker group. This sheriff came out and said, look, we're, we're expecting that some of those people coming across the border are, uh, they're cyber terrorists and they're gonna be getting access to drones. And we're gonna be looking at the specter of drone warfare. This is what a lot of people don't understand. Um, if you're not paying attention to what's happening in Ukraine and in Syria and Gaza and Iraq and the drone attacks that are happening, poor people who don't have a lot of money to spend on Tomahawk missiles and bombers have been using inexpensive drones to wage drone warfare now successfully for, for several years. The Iranians have become very, very proficient at it. And a lot of that drone technology has gone over to Pakistan. And from there, it's gone over to Ukraine. <clears throat> and they're, they're, th this sheriff is very concerned, as is Chris Ray and other people, that um, inexpensive, off-the-shelf drones are going to be modified to wage warfare against us by the people that are coming across our border. And if you follow me on Twitter, you'll notice I'm highlighting drone warfare a lot more because it seems to be the preferred method of warfare by armies that don't have a lot of money to spend. And there is a lot we can do to counteract drone warfare. Um, it may not seem like that's true, but there actually is. And it relates to amateur radio because most drones are operated using radio signals. <laughs> and you can actually interfere with radio signals. You can't do it legally, at least right now. But you can, you can detect uh, drone uh, Wi-Fi signals. They typically work in the Wi-Fi bands, either 2.4 or 5.8 gigahertz. If you have a spectrum analyzer, which I do have, if you have a spectrum analyzer, or any kind of device that, that is able to pick up radio signals in the 2.4 and 5.8 gigahertz range, you can pick up drone signals around you. And there are tools that you could use to send out a signal toward a drone and take it out of the sky. Like I said, can't do it legally, but uh, I'm just, I just want people to be, have, it, have their head on a swivel and be aware of what's going on. The, the battlefield is changing. And I want people to be aware of what is potentially coming our way. I'm not spreading fear porn. This is not fear porn, this is not hype. These are, this, these are the reports that our law enforcement agencies in every county in the, in the country. There's more than 3,000 counties and just about every sheriff's department has had this briefing about drone warfare, about cyber attacks and what's coming. And so I just want to put that warning out there that if you haven't thought about this yet, it's something to think about, something to start planning for. Uh, and, and, you know, start, you know, asking, maybe ask God, what am I supposed to do if, you know, my city, my neighborhood starts seeing drones flying over it that are being used for warfare? 
it is something to consider. All right. We've got a few people now who have their hands up. All right. Shannon Bennett. Shannon, if you are able to unmute yourself. Shannon, if you're not able to unmute yourself, what's on your mind? Yes, I'm wondering why is Christopher Ray and them just now putting this information out? Is there nefarious reasons, distractions, instilling fear, whatever? I mean, why now? All right. Uh, I will. I'll, I'll answer that question. And this is uh, this is spitballing. So I'm following a bunch of accounts on Twitter that are run by people in who are former law enforcement or current law enforcement, former or active duty military, and who these people have a lot of information about drones, drone warfare, how they're used, how they've been used in the Middle East, and how they could potentially be used here. And this one guy who is very, very knowledgeable on the subject. I, I read his tweets uh, on drones, and I'm just astounded at the insights this guy has. He is suggesting that there is no real purpose to highlight this information now, knowing that people like us can do nothing about it. Right. There's no, um, there is no reason that's constructive to warn us about this when they know there's nothing we can do about it. Right. So why are they warning us about it now? Why now? <clears throat> because this guy theorizes that they're doing it to instill fear in the public. And if you know anything about, uh, the Cloward Piven strategy, where the government will create a problem, make the public aware of the problem, the public will then demand a solution to the problem, and the government then brings in the solution that they've had waiting after they're just waiting for the public to be, say, hey, you have to fix this problem. And the government says, oh, we've got the solution right here. Here it is. So this guy has suggested that the um, electronic warfare, the, the, the drone warfare issue, the cyber hacking issue is all being brought out by the intelligence community right now because they want to panic the public. They want to instill fear. They want to panic us. Why? Because then we will demand of the government, they have to fix this problem. They have to do something. This is unacceptable. It's, it's an unacceptable risk. It's your responsibility to fix this problem. And then the government can say, oh, we have to fix the problem? All right, well, we have a fix for the problem. And his suggestion, this, this guy on Twitter, his suggestion is that they plan to uh, then implement much more stringent internet censorship and surveillance protocols. There's a reason why Nikki Haley suggested that all anonymous accounts on social media should be eliminated and you should have to prove who you are and have your name in your profile on social media because the deep state wants to de-anonymize our presence on social media. They don't want anyone to be anonymous on social media. 
on the internet. They want everyone to be identified. And it goes, it goes much further than that. So this guy suggests that um, if we cry out to the government, demand that they fix this problem, they can then really bring down the censorship regime. They can then justify hard uh, steps toward uh, management of information, banning websites, banning domains, banning services that they deem to be a threat to national security, shutting down websites, shutting down services, uh, restricting access to certain places, and, and basically more control of the information. That's This guy theorizes that their end game is controlling the information and creating this hysteria among us so that we demand that they fix it and they have the, their solution. That's one guy's, uh, he's spitballing. I think it's a pretty, I think it's a pretty reasonable solution. Given the way that we know the deep state has worked in the past, uh, how did they get the Patriot Act through Congress, which was a complete gutting of the Fourth Amendment where they could just surveil us, spy on us, scoop all of our information in the guise and under the name banner of uh, national security and the global war on terrorism. They took down uh, some buildings in New York and pointed to some bad actors <clears throat> across the across the pond. And then uh, next thing you know, we're being surveilled and we, we agreed to it. We demanded it. They created a crisis. We responded. They responded with their plan. So I, I, I do suspect that, um, I, I suspect the threats are real, but I also suspect that the people who are pulling the levers of control right now have an agenda that most people are not aware of. So I hope that answers your question. Cassandra Weathers, Cassandra, uh, your hand is up. If you can unmute yourself, what's on your mind? Cassandra, are you able to unmute yourself? Yep, oh, I did. Sorry. Um, yeah, no worries. I was wondering if you would share some of the people that you follow on X and on Telegram. I know when you were on Mary Grace, you said something about a shipwreck. Yep. Yes, I can do that. Uh, the shipwrecked. <laughs> the, the shipwrecked guy is shipwrecked crew. That's his uh, Twitter handle. We just put in shipwrecked crew. Uh, he is a former federal prosecutor um, and currently is a defendant. Uh, he's He defends, he's really been defending a lot of the J6 um, defendants. Uh, very good legal mind. He's very good. I would also recommend Leslie McAdoo Gordon. Leslie McAdoo Gordon and Shipwreck crew, who we sometimes just call him Ship for short. The two of them often do Twitter spaces together where they'll bring in attorneys to discuss legal cases that are going on. They'll just discuss what's happening with Trump and the prosec his prosecutions. Leslie McAdoo Gordon is another good follow. Um, let's see. Uh, <laughs> 
who else do I think is a good, well, most of the people that I retweet on Twitter, I think are worth following. Um, I think of anyone else that I can recommend right now. My mind is kind of blanking. I, the people that I follow on Telegram, you can tell if you go to my, my the Praying Medic news channel, right? You'll see me reposting uh, uh, other channels. A good one is Dot Connecting Anons. Dot Connecting Anons um, is run, I believe, by a woman named Melissa. She is very, very good on news. She is. She and her crew, whoever's with her, they're just digging through news stories, relevant news stories, not a lot of fluff and clickbait. Relevant, important news stories, I, I would give them a follow. I repost their information uh, on my Telegram channel quite often because I'm, I'm often busy doing something else like writing a book. <laughs> and when I want to you know, find out what's going on news-wise, I'll just go to their channel and, and uh, see what they've got posted over the last 12 or 18 hours. So those are a couple of uh, accounts I recommend following. All right, we have got Jeff Me. Uh, Jeff Me, if you can unmute yourself, what's going on? Hey Dave, thanks for uh, thanks for all you do and all the tools you put out there and just being obedient. Um, so I have a question, kind of switching gears a little bit towards inner healing and deliverance. So my wife and I have been doing inner healing deliverance for about a year now. Um, use a lot of your techniques and tools as far as healing fragments and such. We've run into, I'd say, probably our first true altar um, in the past two weeks. Um, she's a protective altar, um, deals with a lot of emotional um, abuse with her, her husband and such. And we're trying to kind of navigate through how to deal with the altar and, and what kind of a couple red flags came up for us. And, and maybe they're not true red flags, but kind of threw us for a little bit of a loop. Um, is she started talking a little bit about not seeing a way out and potentially um, divorce came up and even suicide came up in the conversation. So my question is, I started wondering, is this really an altar or is this a demon masquerading as an altar or is the altar demonized and listening to other voices and such? Just just trying to, I know it's not a ton of information, but just kind of from your experience, maybe a point in a direction would be awesome. Okay. Yeah. Uh, stay on the line because we'll have a, a little conversation here. So it sounds to me like this is a true altar. Uh, however... Altars are often influenced by demons because most um, most people who are traumatized who have altars and fragments, and that probably describes 95% of the population, just FYI. Um, the, uh, I, I would say nearly everyone has at least one significant altar. Most people have two or three. Some of them are minor altars that, that don't play a big role. Um, if it, the altar expresses the concern that there's no way out, that sounds like a legitimate concern that an altar would express. Um, many altars express thoughts of suicide. It's pretty common. Uh, of course, the altars often are, are programmed to think about suicide as the solution 
by by demons, right? So that's that's the issue. Is the, the first step is making contact with the altar. It sounds like you've done that. Uh, get the introduction. Maybe find out. You know, does the altar have a name? Uh, you already figured out that this this altar is a protector. Protectors can be very difficult to deal with because they have a they're very much duty bound. They feel like their job is to protect the core of the personality. And uh, they can be very resistant <laughs> to to wanting to change anything. Uh, they're, they're usually resistant to the idea of being healed. Eventually, you're going to want to get this, start talking to this altar about meeting Jesus. The altar may or may not uh, be cool with Jesus. You'd want to find that out. Uh, have the if you have an opportunity to have the altar come up, you want to question the altar and, and ask this altar, you know, how do you feel about Jesus? Uh, would you consider allowing Jesus to heal you? Uh, if the altar says yes, then you're good to go. And make the introduction and let Jesus kind of take over from there and do the healing of the altar. That will also, That will usually... Remove the place of attachment for demons. Um, you know, if as long as she's not actively uh, making suicidal gestures, I think you're safe to just keep going to where you're going. If she starts, you know, cutting and things of that nature, that's another issue that that would probably require uh, at least it's a short. Um, at least an interview with a mental health professional, potentially uh, inpatient time. Hopefully, it doesn't go that far. So, how are we doing so far? Yeah, you're 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 kind of spot on, and and we've gone we've gone down that path as far as introducing Jesus. And she's at first she was uh, she didn't trust him. Um, eventually, she got to the point where she was willing to have a conversation with him, and. Okay. And she was open to that, but she's she's not willing to com- to to integrate or leave the core because she feels like the core can't does can't defend herself and can't deal with the world enough that she can actually um, rest essentially and give up that control. That's where yep. we're kind of stuck. <laughs> and that is the classic. Uh, defender, protector, altar. They just feel like it's their job to protect this poor person who's been abused their whole life. But yeah. I, again, if you can, if you can start up that conversation with this altar about Jesus, and then say, "Look, our, uh, this is this is a little bit manipulative. I'm not going to lie. It's a, it's a little bit of using emotional manipulation. However." That's kind of how altars relate to the world. They're, they tend to be, uh, especially protectors, they tend to be somewhat driven by emotion and, like I said, a sense of duty. You can um, you can try to ask the altar if she's tired and weary and do you ever get discouraged and feel like you're not going to win this battle, mm. right? If you start to ask this altar, aren't you kind of like blackpilled? Do you sometimes feel like you just don't have the ability to, you know, fight off this fight and protect her from all from the world? And if you can start to sow seeds of 
uh, or bring out any feelings of discontent, disillusionment, weakness, that gives you an opportunity to say, look, Jesus is a better protector. You're going to then try to sell her on Jesus being able to protect the core. Jesus doesn't need sleep. Jesus has no weaknesses. He is a better protector. He loves her unconditionally. He would never let anything bad happen to her if he could stop. I, would, I don't know if that's even a good thing because a lot of altars sort of understand that God does not... Um, negate free will so people do suffer harm and some of them say well some of the altars will say well if god really loved me he wouldn't let this happen and yeah. god does not yeah. that god doesn't negate free will so I, you might not want to go down that road but um try to see if you can um convince this altar that they're kind of fighting a losing battle and and that Jesus is capable of doing the role that they're playing right now only a lot better. Uh, and just, I would just keep gent gently working with this altar on um, highlighting the strengths of Jesus and the altar's weaknesses. And, and eventually you may get this altar to cave in <laughs> and, and, and agree uh, to be healed. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that that's fantastic. That, that confirms and um, keeps us confirms the direction we're going. Um, okay. And I know you've got other people that want to talk, but do we need to, um, if the altar is demonized, do we need to uh, actively um, cast demons away from the altar, or is that something that will just happen in the process of the integration and healing? Nope. So uh, a, a good practice when you're dealing with the altar is to bind any demon and command them to be silent during the session. Okay. So that the demons are not interfering with the interaction between you and the altar. I would just command all demons to be silent, command them to be bound and, you know, shut up and don't say anything. <laughs> not talking to you. Lay there and be quiet. I'm talking to the altar. Uh, and it's just an, it's an exercise of authority. Okay. Awesome. Cool. I, again, I, I appreciate it, Dave. I appreciate all you do and, um, keep on, uh, keep on fighting the good fight. All right. Thanks, man. All right. Oh no, <laughs> I don't see any hands up. What in the world? Everybody put their hand down. Is there nobody? Oh, okay. We got two people. Uh, tooth for truth, root for truth. Sorry, uh, root for truth. If you can unmute yourself, what is on your mind? Hi, can you hear me? I can hear you. Okay, thanks for um, taking my question. I just, you probably had this question arise many times, but I have not heard the conversations. I don't get to listen all the time. What about dementia and Alzheimer's? And what do you think the link is to emotional healing issues, demon, demonic, you know, trouble? Um, and also it feels so helpless because the person is so far gone that it, it just feels like you can't even start with them because 
yep. even approaching them on it would cause problems, if you know what I mean. So just curious yeah. on your thoughts here. Yeah. Uh, good question. So I- I'll say this. Dementia and Alzheimer's and neurodegenerative diseases like that uh, can be healed. I, I've received several testimonies. I know some very uh, just incredible testimonies of people who had pretty advanced dementia who were just miraculously healed. Sometimes the healing is miraculous. Sometimes it's progressive. Uh, I actually know of one person who had pretty advanced dementia and he was healed uh, through diet. Uh, His wife is a pediatric intensive care nurse and she started giving him coconut oil and in his cereal and over a period of time his dementia completely reversed and resolved um, and it has to do with ketones uh coconut oil is high in ketones and and um the 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 brain can metabolize uh carbohydrates it can also metabolize um ketones and for people who have a certain uh condition ketones will actually a, a ketogenic diet will actually help them metabolize better and they'll have better neuro, neurological function don't want to go too far down that road it's just one example but like i said i know people who have been healed of uh, dementia and alzheimer's i don't know if there's a connection to uh, emotional trauma I, I haven't really seen that connection um, it seems like it's more of an organic issue healing the neurons, healing the dendrites, healing the axons, healing, uh, you know, restoring neurotransmitter function. It seems to me like most of the healing is related to those issues and not so much emotional healing. Um, It can be very difficult to do emotional healing with someone who has especially advanced dementia or Alzheimer's because they're going to get lost in the process and not know what you're doing, what you're saying, or even who you are. So I I would focus on a release of power and um, so release of power is, is a creative miracle, right? If someone has, let me give you a, a kind of a related issue. A lot of people who have um, a more common condition is a neuropathy. Peripheral neuropathy is a, is a common condition. Uh, it's a slow degradation of the nerves in the hands and the feet and your your you start to feel numbness, tingling, pain, and, and eventually you'll lose sensation in your feet, legs, and, and hands. Um, that is a, it's a neurodegenerative condition where the, the, the nerve cells are just deteriorating and eventually the nerves die. Well, I've had a lot of success with that, with healing that. And what I do is, <laughs> I'm gonna demonstrate. I put my hand out uh, near the person's hand or feet and I release power. Now, Luke chapter nine, verse one, it says Jesus gave his disciples power and authority to heal diseases and to uh, cast out demons. So uh, we use authority to cast out demons. We command demons to go. We use power. We release the power of the Holy Spirit and that power goes into people and it works creative miracles. If you are a born again believer, 
You have the Holy Spirit living inside you. Power of God lives inside you. You can release that power and it's released through faith. You believe. It's that simple. I believe when I put up my hand, I believe the power of God is going out of me into the person that needs healing. All right. It's that simple. It's not that complicated. Don't overthink it. It is a, it is a, we release power through faith and that power goes out and it goes into the person who needs healing. Now with a, now I'm just going to leave my hand up here and I'm going to believe that my hand is releasing power into someone who's listening to this broadcast who needs healing. And I'm talking about, talking about neurodegenerative diseases. So the power of God goes into their nerves in their fingers and their hands the power goes into those nerves and it restores them and makes them new that's a creative miracle we're creating new nerves new nervous tissue and that is how you reverse a degenerative nervous condition like uh, neuropathy or alzheimer's dementia what we want to do is release power and restore to new condition anything that's been damaged right that, that would be my approach to Alzheimer's and dementia. Uh, release the power, create a miracle, restore the damaged parts of their brain and get them to function normally. All right, that was a really good question, by the way, thank you. Uh, Ray, you have your hand up, Ray. Do you have a question? If you can unmute yourself. Did that work? Yep, I can hear you. All right, this should take about 45 seconds in a question. Okay. I'm online. I received Jesus as my Savior when I was six, and I was baptized in the Holy Spirit about three years ago. Okay. And um, I was studying Ephesians chapter 6, putting on the whole armor of God for a while, trying to understand it. And uh, verse 18 says, pray at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. The Greek for that form of prayer classifies it as a noun, as in we actually become the place of prayer or prayers are a noun. Okay. Sub subsequently, in my quiet time with the Lord, the Holy Spirit prompted me to ask, what do prayers look like? And I have been given the privilege and gift to see what prayers look like. I believe it's my charter to share them and help the believers understand that prayers are not just verbs. It's just not the act of praying, but they actually have power. That's my question. How, how do I make sure that I'm that I'm not misrepresenting them or can distinguish uh, a lie. Okay, so hang on. So the first part of your um, discussion is a revelation and understanding that you came to. Um, I'm not sure what your question is. Well, I, I want to make sure, and I, I have as best I can when I see them, always gone through the Jesus is the Son of God, 
He came and died on the cross for our sins, and he rose again on the third day. And if you don't belong here, get out so that I understand the prayers are from the Holy Spirit and not from me or something else. Okay. Uh, so is your is your question, how do you distinguish the difference between maybe prayers from our soul versus prayers from the Holy Spirit? Is that what you're asking? I didn't think it was that complicated. <laughs> I'm well, so sorry. I, I'm, I'm, I'm just still not clear. Like I, you're, you're see, it seems like you're trying to teach a point. I don't see a question in there. That's my, that's my issue. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I, I'm new. I'm young. I'm only, you know, three years old. So I'm scared. That okay. What I, have, I don't want to lose it. No, I, I think what you, what you've got is a sound understanding. I, I don't think you're going to lose it, and I don't think it's, it's wrong. I think it's legitimate. I wouldn't worry about it. Okay. All right. Thank you. Yep. Okay. Uh, let's see. Grace. Grace, child of God. Grace, you have your hand up. If you can <laughs> unmute yourself. What is going on this morning? Hi. Thank you. So I had I didn't have a question until I heard a few people speaking on some relevant topics. So I'm going to ask this. I think you have some expertise, and I think I may need to get one of your books. Um, but I'm wondering if you have a suggestion on how to help break down a heart wall over a young man in our family that has, I would say, right. We lost you, uh, Grace. Are you there? Oh, hang on. <clears throat> I think. Grace, you muted yourself. Can you say that again? Yeah, I couldn't unmute for a minute. It blocked. Um, that's interesting. So anyway, is there a way that you can recommend to to help show this young man, he's now in college, just brand new freshman, um, that he is loved and that his whole family is here when he's ready to take down those walls? When, you know, it's a difficult age being away at college, they don't have to speak to anybody in their family if they don't yeah. want to, right? Is so, this your son? Um, it is. Okay. Uh, oh, gosh. So your perception is that he is feeling like he can't, like he, does he, do, do you believe that he's feeling unloved and unappreciated and unaccepted in the family? No. Uh, there. I didn't want to get into details. I didn't even want to say who it was, but... Um, you asked so well it's <laughs> what you can do with with an individual depends on your relationship with them uh, if you're yeah, just an observer someone not knows them. Doing, um, there was a very traumatic way is his uh another family member just up and left and took him so i have not had contact with him in a few years oh okay all right um, does this person have a history of emotional abuse of any kind? Very much so. Okay. So I would strongly recommend uh, that the first, oh gosh, I don't know if it's the first. The, the person is going to need emotional healing um, because emotional trauma, uh, whether it is verbal abuse, physical abuse, uh, rejection, uh, fighting in the in the family all of those things create emotional trauma 
that creates identity issues, it creates insecurity, it creates feelings of rejection, and those issues have to be dealt with. Um, so this person is gonna is gonna need to go through emotional healing. Number one, number two, uh, is as much as possible. Um, I would recommend just showing that person love and compassion at every opportunity that you get, whether it is phone calls, text messages. Um, look, in my family right now, I'll, I'm going to be a little bit transparent and vulnerable here. I don't talk about this publicly, publicly, but I'm going to. I have a family member who is uh, much younger than me, who has rejected me, rejected Denise, cut off ties, doesn't want to talk to us um, because we're bad people in their eyes. And this person came to those conclusions through a variety of means, a variety of influences over a period of years. And it was heartbreaking for us to have this happen. And a, a lot of people are going through this right now, especially since COVID, but you know, e even prior to COVID, there's just been a lot of strain on family relationships. And your situation sounds a little bit unique because this person was removed. Uh, it sounds like um, potentially illegally. So uh, what, what we have done with this person in our family is we have given them space at, because they demanded space. They wanted separation. So we let them have separation. We did not harass them. We did not text them, didn't call them, did not. We, we respected their wishes to basically be left alone. And, and that's kind of how I've, I've dealt with my own kids. Uh, my kids are, are grown. When they got to be teenagers, I started to realize that uh, <laughs> I am going to have less and less control over their life as they get older. And I might as well just get used to allowing them to make decisions on their own, whether those decisions are for good or bad. Because I, at some point, they're going to leave my house and they're going to have to learn how to make their own decisions. And I can't be hovering over them and controlling them the rest of their lives, even though a lot of people try to do that with their kids. So I gave my kids a fair amount of autonomy and independence when they were young as teenagers, because I wanted them to be able to make decisions, fall on their face when they made bad decisions, pick themselves up and then go, okay, that was a really dumb idea. I'm not going to do that again. And in, in doing that, I, my kids made a lot of mistakes. My son came to me after he graduated from college and said, dad, I really wish I would have listened to you. And you told me not to go to that private college because holy cats, I have a huge, um, debt, a loan balance I have to now pay. Um, he, I, I tried to counsel him not to go to this private college, go to a state college, you got to pay a fraction of the tuition, get the same kind of learning. You know, he came to me, he asked me my opinion. He always has asked me my opinion, but I've always allowed him to do whatever he wanted to do. He calls the shots. And when he comes to me, I give him advice. He calls the shots when he, if it works out for him, great. If it doesn't work out, he'll come back and say, Dad, I screwed up. <laughs> I should listen to you. What that has done is it has given my kids, number one, the ability to make their own decisions. Number two, the ability to come to me and ask me for advice when they want. 
and I'll always give them advice. I never give them advice if they don't ask for it because uh, advice that is given when the person has not asked for it is not usually heeded. So I don't give people advice unless they ask for it. Just a little aside there. So what happened with my kids is, you know, uh, my kids have grown up uh, and they've learned to become adults and make their own decisions. And when they want dad's input, they ask me, I give them my advice, my suggestions, observations, and then they go and do it or whatever they want to do. And sometimes they follow my advice and sometimes they don't. All of that is to say that um, I have a pretty good relationship with my kids today. We've had rocky, rocky issues in, my, in the past. We've resolved those problems and my kids are older. And um, they're, they respect me, I respect them. We have a good, healthy adult relationship because I gave them space to be themselves, to make their own decisions. I didn't, I don't, I've never tried to control them. Now <clears throat> with your, with this other family member of mine that I was telling you about earlier, who decided they didn't want to be around us. They didn't want to hear from us. We're, 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 they're dead to us. We have given that person space for several years. And recently that person has started to come around and soften their heart and is now asking for input and is now having regular conversations with us after years of wanting no contact at all. We have been praying for that person every single day that God would soften their heart, change their mind and help them see the light and come back around. And just in the last six months, massive changes have happened uh, because we have prayed, let God do his work and we have stayed away and not tried to meddle or control that person. So this is just some kind of generic parenting advice. Now let's get back to your situation. So with this person who has been removed from your, uh, your situation, they're gonna need emotional healing, number one. They're gonna need you to pray for them. They, they need prayer every single day. You need to be praying that God will arrange and change the situation to put that person in an environment where they can prosper and they can and they can get the emotional healing that they need and anything else that they need. Now, I don't know if you want to go into any more specifics about that individual. Um, am I answering any of your questions so far? Yes, um, it's been helpful. What, can I ask, was the other person you were talking about someone in your your care as a, a young person at one point? I know you- My son-in-law. Okay. All right. They say son-in-law? Stepson, sorry. Okay. My, my right. stepson. So in the same type of relationship. Yeah, Thank no, you. my my stepson and I, uh, we have had a strained relationship for years, and it's coming, it's coming, uh, it's changing. So, your question was, I forget your question. Well, I'm working on how to properly pray. Not that there's a wrong way, but a way to most effectively work in the spirit with God through Jesus. Um, how to how how to supernaturally help the situation and how as a mom to a boy who no longer really needs a mommy, you know, which was when okay. yeah. he was last in my life. He was much, much younger, um, five years younger. So now I don't know how to be a mom. This okay. young man. It, it's, it, that's the transition you have to make. 
uh, you have to realize that kids are going to grow up and they're not going to need you for all the things they needed you for when they were 10 years old or six years old. Kids grow up and you have to you have to make the mental adjustment as a parent and start dealing with them as an adult, even though they've always been your child and they always will be your child. You cannot treat them like a child. If you do, they're going to resent you and reject you. Adult children resent being treated like children. They want to be treated like adults. Even if you feel like this is a person who is not responsible, not being very adult, not making good decisions, you still have to treat them as an adult because that's what they are. In their mind, they're an adult who can make their own damn decisions and do make you know marry who they want to marry, live the life they want to live. And if you don't make the mental adjustment and start treating them as an adult, you're going to have problems. And the reason why my kids and I have a very, we, my kids and I have very healthy relationships because I treat them like peers. I treat them like adults. I don't treat them like my kids. I don't boss them around. I don't tell them what to do. I don't, I'm not demanding of them. They come to my house. We hang out. We have fun. Uh, we, you know, we go to dinner. We do adult stuff and I treat them like adults. And, uh, that's, it's, it's, it's an adjustment that you have to make. Thank you. So I'll just keep praying. And prayer. Uh, I strongly recommend um, praying in whatever way the Holy Spirit leads you. As you're praying, listen for the voice of the Holy Spirit and let the Holy Spirit lead your prayers. When I'm praying, when Denise and I are praying uh, for our kids, I'm always listening for and for thought impressions that the Holy Spirit is giving me about things I need to pray to, for for other people whether it's a prayer request from a stranger or my, my kids, um, be open to whatever the Holy Spirit is saying to you and pray according to what you're hearing from the Holy Spirit. That will be the most effective prayer. Okay? Okay, thank you. All right. All right. Uh, Julia... Julia Phillips, if you can unmute yourself, what's on your mind? Julia Phillips. Uh-oh, she just disappeared. <laughs> Where did she go? All right. Well, Joel, uh, Joel Shaver. Joel, if you can unmute yourself. Uh, gosh, hang on a minute. Try it again. Joel, mute, please unmute yourself now. And what's on your mind? Can you hear me? I can hear you. Okay, you're uh, you're kind of quiet on your end, but that's okay. I uh, I um been listening to you for years when uh, like the Q first started coming out and Mark Taylor started coming out and I'm a retired Marine Corps and I work in the medical industry in IT and I've just kind of been watching the way the world is going, the things are going. I, I thank you for all your insight for everything, where we're going, where I think we're going. And I listened to President Trump talk about 
when he's back in, we're going to remove uh, illegals and start cleaning things up. Do you perceive that they're going to need people like me as a retired military to come back or start something to help reformulate America? Yeah. Uh, how long ago did you retire? I retired in 2012. Okay. You know, I suspect that they probably are going to need people uh, with prior military and law enforcement experience to help in the largest deportation uh, and roundup of criminals in America's history. It's going to take a lot of manpower, and they may be recruiting people like you. Okay, yeah, because I, I started out as a field radio operator, and then I went into electronics communications, which basically my I was in IT, so it's, okay. uh, so because when you talk about a lot of different radio things, uh, radio communications things, I kind of understand what you're talking about. And I try to talk to people at work about home defense equipment and uh, yeah. communications equipment. They kind of listen to me, and it's basically yeah. I I'm par parroting what you're saying just to get it out there to them. Yeah, that's that's cool. Glad to hear that. All right, thank you very much. You bet. Uh, Julie, if <laughs> Julie, I see you're back. If you can unmute yourself, do you have a question? Uh, Julia? I, I did not have a question. I accidentally hit the um, ask a question button, but I will say that um, I have just thoroughly appreciated your teaching, and uh, we've already read through a couple of books, and we just really appreciate your um, your ministry. Thank you for what you do. Thank you. Uh, let's see. <clears throat> Leanne Duploy. Leanne, uh, oh gosh, <laughs> try it again. Leanne, if you can unmute yourself, what's on your mind? Hi there. I am back on dream interpretation. Really enjoyed your book on that. Oh, and awesome. there is an aspect in this particular dream that I was just praying about this morning. And I still haven't heard from the Lord exactly what that part means. My son, my youngest son had the dream. And this one was one of those that he felt it was real. He was very confused because he thought he was truly awake. And everything was so real that, you know, we interpreted it realistically. And two out of the three things already came to pass. But okay. there was one aspect that potentially could be, um, well, it would have to be symbolic because in the dream, he was looking at the time on his phone and he saw it changing from 9.06 over to 9.07. And he said, then for a brief moment, everything went dark, and then it was 11.06. And that's the only aspect of the dream, which maybe it just skipped some time, but everything else in the dream was super realistic. And okay. um, in that aspect of time, I have asked the Lord, how do we interpret that? I've looked at scriptures, but I've not had a sense from Holy Spirit that that's it yet. Can I make a suggestion? Sure. What if the times were dates? I have considered that, 
I just haven't so, known what to do with that yet. Okay. So the phone showed 906 mm -hmm. and then it switched to 907. Correct. And then what happened? It went blank. It was like everything went dark. Like dark. Like dark. Everything in the world and went then, dark. And then there was, it was 1106. Okay. So let me, let me propose something here. <clears throat> I have been proposing for a while that we're going to have a temporary loss of internet, loss of cell okay. phone service, mm -hmm. and it's going to last more than just a few days or a few weeks, potentially months. Mm -hmm. What if that dream is suggesting that on September 7th, there's going to be a blackout of cell phone or internet service and it's not going to come back on until November. Wow. I mean, that that's a possible interpretation. Yeah. That's that's where my, my mind goes. But again, yeah. my, my my mind is on those subjects. There are there are other possible interpretations, but that's the one I would consider. Yeah. Yep. So thank you. That was right. the only you know, conclusion that I had. The dream was on September eighteenth. And um, that was last year. In the dream, he woke up on February. 20th, and, and he had this dream, and, and two of the events that were in the dream already happened. Yes, it's a short dream, so I'll just follow you. In. Can I can I ask what those events were? Yes. So he's um, our youngest, uh, thirteen, and in his dream, his brother, who had to return to South Africa, woke him up and said, "Happy birthday." And he said, wait a minute, what on earth are you do, doing here? Because we're, we're in the States. And he said, it's your birthday. I'm here. And he looked outside. And so he first looked at his phone. It's 24th of February, 2024. It's snowing outside. And he's like, I don't understand. I went to bed on the 18th of September. I don't even know what happened to Christmas. How are you here? So at that time, my son could not get a visa yet to visit us. In the meantime, in November, he did get a visa and somebody sponsored him a ticket. So two out of the three came true. The other okay. aspect was that we were in another house and that was his dream room. We were unexpectedly asked in November, we had to move out of our house. The owner had to sell it. So the Lord said to us, don't worry, I've got a house for you. We have moved out. We're still waiting for that house. We're in faith for a particular property. So two out of the three, our son is coming this coming week before his brother's birthday. And we are trusting the Lord for miraculous provision for a house. So okay. therefore, it was quite literal. It was just the times that I said, Lord, I don't understand. How does that fit in yet? Yeah. Well, uh, come September, you may have an answer. Mm-hmm. Okay. Maybe. All right. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Uh, let's see. Don Taylor. Don, if you can unmute yourself, Don, uh, what's on your mind? Uh, can you hear me? I can hear you. Oh, good. <clears throat> I had, about five years ago, my uh, kidney function started going down my GFR. Okay. And uh, it's down to 18 now. I'll be seeing a nephrologist this week, but um, 
they say the kidney cannot restore itself. So this is a perfect spot for God to come in and do it. It is. <clears throat> so I would so what's your question? <laughs> I would appreciate your your prayers. Or if you want a question, right. will you pray for me? <laughs> I will. Lord, bring your healing presence upon Don. I command his kidney to be healed. I command the glomerular filtration apparatus to be healed right now. I speak life to that kidney. I command all the kidney cells to come back to life. Command sickness, disease, and evil spirits go out to the feet of Jesus and do not return. And I declare he is going to have a normal kidney function when he has his next, next test. Thank you, Lord, in advance for your healing. Thank okay, you, Don, you're healed. Thank you. A blessing All right. and 73s. All right, 73s, brother. Uh, hey, send me an email when you got a report from the nephrologist. Will do. All right, thanks. John with Jesus. John, I was wondering where Jesus was today. Apparently, he's with you. Uh, if you want to unmute yourself, you can... Go ahead and speak. Okay. Yes. Well, hopefully Jesus is with all of us today. I um, believe he is. Yeah. Anyway, a couple of questions. You brought up the drones earlier, and I was looking for, you know, what what's the nature of the threat from the the drones, how would those be used against us? And the second one was to get your commentary about the Supreme Court uh, these days where you see them heading some of their decisions. Does this Brunson case have any relevancy? Um, okay. So that sort of thing. Okay. Uh, stay on the line. Don't go away. I think the Brunson case has no relevancy. Okay. Uh, okay. It's, it's DOA. They're not. The Supreme Court's not going to hear it. They, they've already kind of decided that uh, they're not going to hear that case. So I wouldn't worry about that. Uh, I'm I'm encouraged by some of the rulings. Um, it looks like the effort by the state of Colorado to get Trump off the ballot is not going to work. Uh, we're probably going to see a, a majority ruling of seven to two, or maybe eight to one, potentially unanimous. Um, decision allowing Trump to remain on the ballots in all states. The Supreme Court is just not buying this uh, idea that Trump can be removed from the ballot because he, you know, caused an insurrection. There's, there's, it's not going to fly. So, you know, sometimes we lose at the Supreme Court, sometimes not. Um, it, it is what it is. I think we need to keep praying for the Supreme Court justices to have wisdom and for them to make the right rulings and to take the right cases. And then your third question was about drones. So um, drones can be used in a number of different ways. They can be used um, for surveillance. So uh, someone can fly a drone over your neighborhood if they are a potential adversary. Let's say we have a small uh, army of Chinese infiltrators who are looking to um, wage warfare in a particular uh, neighborhood or a particular city. Uh, 
they could use drones to fly over, get do reconnaissance, do gather intelligence, uh, observation, and, and they can just fly over and observe what's going on, where are people, develop uh, patterns of life on potential subjects. Drones can also be used as tactical weapons. They can be armed with explosives. They can be flown. Uh, an inexpensive drone can be flown to a building uh, and detonated, and it'll just, it's a suicide drone. It's expendable, crashes into a building, crashes into a car, blows up, kills the people there. Drones can be used, are being used in, in warfare for many different uh, operations, surveillance, recon, as essentially flying munitions, a, a poor man's Tomahawk missile. Um, it, they are a potentially, uh, a potentially game changer for militants who don't have a big budget. Uh, you can literally put together a flying uh, missile with an explosive device for less than five hundred dollars. So it's there. It's concerning what what they can potentially do with drones, and I just think we need to be aware of it and head on a swivel, and be paying attention to what's going on. If you watch a lot of these um, videos that are coming out of Ukraine, most armies are taught to look um, on the horizon before, in front of them, to the side, behind them, looking for potential adversaries. Most troops are not trained to look up as a direction where a potential adversary would come in and attack you. Because if you're going to be attacked from uh, something that's aerial above you, normally it's going to be a mortar that's launched uh, a quarter of a mile away, and you'll hear the launch of a missile, a mortar, a rocket. And when you hear the launch, you'll then anticipate, okay, I'm gonna look up and, and look for a streak coming toward me. But you're not gonna be looking, as you're walking through the woods, you're not gonna be looking upward for a drone that's been following you for the last 10 minutes and waiting for an opportunity. Most soldiers are not trained to look up to, 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 for an enemy. They're trained to look in front of them, behind them, side, right? So a lot of, uh, a lot of the troops that have been killed by drones were killed because they were building, um, they were taking cover and using concealment for threats that were potentially in front of them to the side or behind them, but they took no precautions for anything that would come from above. And, and it's this drone warfare issue is causing people to have to change their battlefield tactics. And again, it's just, it's an issue we need to be aware of because it's not just happening on battlefields elsewhere. I think at some point we're going to be dealing with drones here uh, and not just recreational drones with, where the neighbor's kid is flying a drone over our house. Um, I think that it's going to become a threat to safety, public safety. All right. Uh, let's see. Hey, Jill. Glad to hear you're on the, uh, or see, see you're on the live stream. Oh, Solomon Cody. Solomon Cody, if you can unmute yourself, what's on your mind? Uh, hello. Um, well, before I ask my question, I just want to say that um, your books, um, God through you and your books have completely changed my life. Um, 
Um, I was a missionary in Egypt, and uh, at the time, I was reading the book um, "Interpreting Dreams Made Simple." And through that book, God um, helped me interpret a dream that told me to go to Egypt. And um, I served God in Egypt. I served the Muslim people for three years, and I just want to say that you made a big contribution to that. Wow! Because of, of, <laughs> I'm honored to hear that. That's, I also. That's great. Um, yeah, I also read the books uh, "Seeing in the Spirit" when I was in Egypt serving the Muslims. I practiced the things that was in your book, and I was able to see visions of people that God wanted me to meet. And it was just because um, of the books that um, um, that you wrote, "Seeing in the Spirit," wow. "Dream Interpretation," and I just want to say that um, thank you so much. Yeah, thank for, you. Um, doing God's work, and you've helped a lot of missionaries. I've shared a lot of your books to many people, to other missionaries in the Middle East that I know. So you've changed a lot of lives. God has changed a lot of lives for you. Um, but anyways. Um, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, my, my question is, um, so how can, you know, how can I renew my mind when it comes to, let's say, violent thoughts, unwanted violent thoughts? How can one renew their mind? Like they're trying, but but it's hard to control. Yep. That is a really good question. Uh, and I will try to answer that question. So the thoughts that we have that come in, come to our mind are often brought by demons. And in the absence of demons, a lot of, most people don't have violent thoughts, thoughts of, you know, uh, sexual temptation and, and thoughts of that nature, intrusive thoughts about sin. I, I'm not going to say it's always demons. I, I would say that it's probably, it's frequently uh, an issue of demons that are bringing thoughts to our mind that we don't want. Uh, if you If you find yourself thinking thoughts that you find objectionable, thoughts that you don't really like, thoughts that you don't want, Right. It's like you're opposing something like your soul wants to have wants to focus on this subject and some other force is bringing this other subject to your to your mind, trying to get you to look at it and pay attention to it. That suggests that there's a, a relationship there between two opposing uh, beings that have opposing agendas. Right. And if and, and if that's a dynamic, if it's not just you in your quiet time, allowing your mind to move toward pornographic or violent thoughts, if you're not intentionally exerting your will and, and entertaining those thoughts, if you are trying to focus on something else and these obtrusive thoughts just keep on coming into your mind, that's a key that it's a demonic issue. So what do we do about that? Um, it is really an issue of mental discipline. The Bible says that we should take every thought captive to the authority of Christ. What does that mean? That means that we need to be on guard mentally, and we have to have discipline mentally. And when an intrusive thought comes into our mind about something that we should either don't want to or shouldn't be thinking about, we take that thought and we reject it 
and give it to Jesus and say, Jesus, here, take this thought. And you divert your mind to something else. And when that same subject comes back and hits you again and it comes into your mind, you take that thought and you give it to Jesus and you divert your attention to something else. And when another thought comes in, you give it to Jesus and you divert your thought somewhere else. It's not a sin to have an intrusive thought come into your mind. It's a sin to entertain that thought and explore it and uh, and, and just maintain that thought in your mind. The, 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 the best behavior, the best practice, I guess you could say, is to reject the thought, put up your shield, and say, okay, here's that thought again. I'm going to put up my shield. I'm going to divert my attention somewhere else. Give that thought to Jesus. And if you will get in the habit of doing that day after day, and, and look, it's not easy to do. Um, it, it, it is a, it's, it's developing a vigilant mind where you're on guard, you're standing guard over your thoughts. And whenever one of those intrusive thoughts comes in, you have to, you have to take that thought, don't entertain it, give it to Jesus and focus your attention somewhere else. And what'll happen is you'll notice if you repetitively do that hour by hour, day by day, It'll become easier to do. It'll become a reflexive reaction that will just automatically happen. When that image, when that thought comes to your mind, you'll instinctively take it, give it to Jesus, and you'll keep focusing on what it was you were thinking about. It's, it is developing a mental discipline where you are in control of your thoughts and you're not entertaining thoughts from, from, from demons. Eventually, if you do that long enough, the demons will go find someone else to harass. If if the issue is actually demons trying to tempt you, eventually they'll get sick and tired of you rebuffing their uh, thoughts and they'll go find someone else to harass. Um, that's been my experience. And, and, and I have dealt with this issue and that's how I deal with it. All right, uh, let's see. Who is up? Hark the Herald. Hark the Herald, if you can unmute yourself, what is on your mind? Hark the Herald. Are the angels singing? <laughs> sorry, sorry about that. This is Corey. It's my wife's account. I, okay. yeah, I was the guy you prayed for, the neuropathy. Okay. Um, and I wanted to tell you the details because it was so, it was, I, I don't. I was so when did I pray for you? Pardon? When did I pray for you? Um, on the show. That's that's what's amazing is that I you don't. You mean like today, today earlier? Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Okay. Like I've, I've had this neuropathy. I didn't even know what it was for like 14 months. And um I've been asking the Lord, you know, just let me know what I need to do and waiting on him and trusting him. And he's given me like things to deal with it. Like CBD was really helpful and, and some things. And so my wife likes to listen to your show a lot. And, and so I, she was, we were finishing up lunch and, and I grabbed her phone and, and I was like, Oh, um, the praying medic supernatural Saturday is on. Do you want to listen to that as I go over here? And she's like, sure. 
And so I turned it on for her and was going to walk away. And you start talking about um, this degenerative nerve disease, like neuropathy and um, the hands and feet and all the symptoms that I had or have. And my wife looks at me and I'm like, uh, he's talking about me. And then you start, you start praying and you're like, somebody out there needs this. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, yeah. And so I wanted to share that with you because I, I, I've, I've believed that he's going to heal me and I've been okay. waiting for his input. And so this is like really a good timing and thank you for all you do. We love you and appreciate you. Absolutely, man. Thanks. Hey, uh, keep me posted and send me an email. If anything changes and if anything doesn't change, send me an email anyway, and I'll continue praying for neuropathy sometimes takes a little bit of time to heal. Uh, usually because the disease is progressive, the healing is also progressive sometimes. It'll take, it might take three or four prayer sessions to, to get that healed. Okay. Thank you so much. God bless you. All right. Thank you. All right. And on that note, I think we're going to wrap it up for today. Uh, <laughs> this has been kind of all over the map. Lots of stuff going on. Lots of good questions, some testimonies. Um, I hope that you have found this broadcast helpful. As I said, uh, we do Supernatural Saturday, second Saturday of every month uh, at 1 p.m. Eastern here on Telegram. It'll be out on Rumble. It'll be out on my uh, website, prayingmedic.com. Uh, I'll also put it out on prayingmedic.org. That is our ministry website. And if you want to support our ministry, uh, you can make a donation we receive donations pretty much exclusively through our Give, Send, Go page because we have been deplatformed by just about everybody. Uh, GiveSendGo.com forward slash PM is the URL for our Give, Send, Go page. You can find the link to the donation page on the prayingmedic.org website. There's a tab there for donation. That'll take you right to the Give, Send, Go page. We do appreciate your financial support. We do appreciate your prayer support. Please keep Denise and I in prayer. Keep President Trump in prayer. Uh, he is he is narrowing in uh, on, on the target. Uh, November's coming, and we need to pray that he is kept safe, that the deep state does not harm him, that God's plans are established and that we will turn the ship around and this country will be saved. And if we can save this country from the evils of the deep state, we can then help other countries get their ship in order too. All right. That's it for today. Love you all. Take care. I'll catch you on the next broadcast.